do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 695. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetie? A parent's self-understanding. Very good. Uh, it's going to be an interesting show. Um, I'm going to play a clip from a podcast. What's the guy's name? Let me pull it up. His name is Scott, Scott Galloway, and he's on Dax's podcast, Armchair Expert, Dax and Monica. I'm going to play about 90 seconds of it. You're probably going to get mad because it's too long of a clip because you don't like clips longer than 60 yeah, how are you? How long are you going to play? It's like 90 seconds. That's too long. No, it's not. 30 seconds. No, you're 30 seconds. I think it's 30 seconds no, for... So you're talking about like copywritten music, That's like stairwritten, no, right? No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um... And then we're going to do a few really brief... Are you going to do uh-oh. all the 90 seconds no, all I'll at once? No, I'll break it up. Okay, cool. Sweetie's getting all worried. <laughs> Sweetie, what's the difference between fear and intuition? Uh, well, we're going to talk about that. We are going to talk about so that. So not on this show, though. Everybody who is on Team Zen already, you will have access to this exclusive podcast where we talk about fear and intuition. I think it drops on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and those of you who are interested in the difference between fear and intuition, this is an exclusive Zen parenting podcast that you can only find on Team Zen Circle. So we're just adding more and more to Team Zen Circle. Not to mention that this upcoming month, February, we have Dr. Shfali yep. coming on Team Zen Circle. We got Zen Talk number 160 on February 7th. Your women's, women's group, group starts in February, February 9th. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Four different micro communities. Shafali's coming on. Uh, on the 17th, so it's going to be off the hook. Yeah. So if you're interested, uh, click on the link right below the sh- uh, in the show notes. 25 bucks a month, cancel at any time. Hope to see you there. Um, and we're going to do two movie reviews very quickly. Two of them? Yes. I'm trying to think what the Women other one was. Women talking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't we talk about that last week or no? I think it was in a Zen talk. I don't think we talked oh. about it on the podcast. Okay. So, and then I'm going to share a personal experience uh, of an interaction you and I have that we had some conflict, you know, relationships have conflict and, um, they do. and, uh, I'm going to share how I didn't follow the framework as taught to me by Jason Gaddis. Todd likes frameworks. I missed like all eight <laughs> steps. I like looked at it. And the reason I do that is because one of my clients, he's reading getting to zero by Jason Gaddis and he shared with me his homework. So I'm like, oh, I remember that chapter. It was a good chapter. So I started looking it up and looked at it through the lens of how you and I interacted a week ago Thursday, whenever that was. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yep, didn't do that, didn't do that, didn't do that, didn't do any of it. Oh, interesting. I'm excited to have this conversation. Yes. So, but before we have that conversation, we are going to talk about what? Um, do we want to talk about your Zen parenting moment? Uh, I'll just talk about it very, very briefly. I can't remember what it was called. What was it called? It was called, oh, The Only Way Out is Through, Mm -hmm. I think. And I was just kind of writing about my own grief. I think I was just writing about the fact that, um, well, let me say this. Somebody under my Zen parenting moment after I posted it said, have you ever heard about the buffaloes and the cows? Oh, I should bring that up. And... I had never heard about it, and I and that's all she said, and then she gave me the link, and it was this quick video of the difference between when there's a storm coming, what buffaloes and what cows do. Can I play it? Sure. Cows, they can both sense when a storm is coming. A big, terrible rainstorm's coming, they both sense it. And cows, they take off running away. Like, oh, like, oh shit, like, let's go. And then buffalo, they sense the storm, and they run right at it. Hmm. 
they run right into the storm. And I compare that to trauma, creating a generation of cows where we're making it okay for us. We just let them run away from it and not deal with it. Cool thing is, is cows, as they're running away from the storm, they get tired. The storm catches up with the cows and the cows keep running. They don't stop. If they stop, let the storm pass. No, they just run they with stay the, in storm. the storm. <laughs> so they're in this misery and shame and guilt. They're in this way longer than they have to be. The buffalo, they run into the storm and it's terrifying. It's much more terrifying than running away from the storm. But once you get past that first initial scare, that fear, and you get in the storm and then the storm passes, then they're happy and they're rested and then they, then they can enjoy what the storm gave them, the water and the grass and all that stuff. Heard the metaphor. All right, there we go. So the reason why I love that is because I think what I'm always writing about is um, I believe in the buffalo um, experience. I always have. And it can be really overwhelming. Initially, I tend to run toward feelings um, sometimes without like figuring out what, like I'm just like, I want to go into it. What am I feeling? What am I experiencing? And it is terrifying initially. I use that word terror all the time in um, therapy. That's like, that's my description of how it feels because my cellular makeup is like, run away, run away. Why are you doing this? Yeah. But I think the difference is, is that I do look at it in the eye and then there's nothing to run from anymore. And then you've learned how to integrate it and it doesn't follow you around. Like when the cows are running away, the storm keeps following them. And um, and so I loved that analogy. So thank you. I can't remember who sent that to me, but thank you. Because you, you, if you're listening, you know who you are. So that's really what I wrote about is the only way out is through. You got to go to it. Well, and I just want to like, you know, maybe hold the space for the people like the cows out there. Sure. Like it's normal. Of course. And logical to run away. Mm-hmm. And probably I do nine times out of 10. Um, but I feel like that's like the reptilian brain. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. And then the buffalo is more like the prefrontal cortex brain, which is, no, have some 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 long-term thought about what is going to happen if I continue to ignore this. Well, let's say it this way so we can have even more love for the cows. Culture tells us to be a cow. Yeah. Society and our workplace expects us to be a cow. And even, you know, the educational system, we're, we're often forced to be a cow, um, like, and we have to not go feel it because we have to show up the next day or we have to, you know, work's like, okay, you can take a few hours off, but then we expect you here in two hours or what, you know what I mean? Like there's not a lot of understanding in the culture about how to handle, um, big, issues or trauma or grief there's just not an understanding um so, so you don't have a cow don't have a cow Is, do people still say that i don't think so. i think we said it in the 80s and the 90s for sure we did i feel like farmer ted from 16 candles said that to cliff and the other guy but he didn't bring it up because we knew what that meant in 16 candles when he said don't have oh, a cow. sure yeah they didn't make that yeah they no. didn't invent that phrase yeah. they just kind of passed it along we had heard it before so so anyway, so there is no dissing or judging of the cow. There's just a questioning. And mm. that's why, I mean, it wouldn't be interesting if I was writing about being a cow because yeah. that's what everybody does. Yeah. I like writing about the fact that you're actually looking fear, you know, facing our fear. We find out that our fears are actually parts of ourselves that loves love us and are trying to protect us. So we don't get more afraid. We get less afraid. Um, can we just double click on cows versus buffaloes for a second? Did you say double click? Yeah, it's one of those annoying Ugh. business phrases that people sometimes use. Can we it, put a pin in it and then it's... circle back in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, the buffalo, I feel like, has 
I've never been a farmer. Let's just say that. You haven't? I've never been a farmer. Oh, I didn't know. And I just feel like um, the cows are... What was I going to say about the cows and the buffaloes? I just feel like like if you're comparing animals, uh-huh. I guess, you know, all God's animals are great, whatever. But I feel like... Disclaimer. I feel like... All God's animals I, I are great. I feel like buffalo... <laughs> Has they're regal. Yes, there's more. Sweetie, they're Tatanka. They are Tatanka. <laughs> and think about what we did as white people to the buffalo. Oh, I don't. It's just awful. Um, and you know, think about what you know what we're doing to cows. I mean, right. we eat steaks and hamburgers and cheeseburgers. There's some buffalo bison burgers out there, but probably yeah. not as much. Like I totally get where you're going. You know? but let's not go down that path too far because it really is. That's a whole nother thing about environment. And health, you know, like there's just so many aspects to that that we don't want to dig into. I'm not going to bring up the part from Dances with Wolves when all the buffalo are on the prairie. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. So, but what I will say, what I will agree with you yeah. is that Tatanka are regal. Yeah. And, part, and we actually were super, and I, everybody who's ever been to a place where there's buffalo roaming, you know, we're not the only ones. But oh, when give we went to- me a home. Next line. Where the buffalo roam. Sweetie, should we talk about when we were playing that music game like 23 years ago? It was a trivia game, and I was trying to come up with a song, Three Little Birds. Yes, but before you tell another story, within we the have story. eight stories here, Going. let me finish my thing about the Tatanka, is that they, I think one of the reasons that they were so um, loved and appreciated by um, the Native American community, and again, I, I, I don't know everything about this, but is you could utilize all the parts of the buffalo and that's how they respected the buffalo Mm -hmm. is that they made sure that every they honored the the gift and when the story i was telling is when we were in south dakota and we were so close to them yeah um they're like walking down the highway with us well that was jc's video do you remember that like a buffalo went right by her window and they are you feel that regalness and maybe because i grew up in a farm town around cows where i was around cows all the time um, cows, I don't feel that way. Right, it's because they're so familiar. They're so familiar Whereas to us. Whereas we have to go to South Dakota to see the Tatanka. But let's let's put a pin in that other story you were okay. going to tell so we can make the segue from the cow mm-hmm. to the movie we watched last night because oh, the okay. cow did come in and hang out with the guy when he was grieving. The donkey? The donkey. We can't. Don't give anything away here about the movie. I'm not going to. But once we're in a different phase of the movie... He's in his bed sad, and the cow comes into the house. I thought it was a horse. No, babe. There was a horse, yeah. but remember, I said out loud, wow, the cow's in the house now. <laughs> I, don't, I <laughs> Do just remember the horse. I, don't, I okay. believe you. Well, but. yeah, so the... Sorry. I'm getting a Kleenex. I always need a Kleenex when we do the show. I don't it's know because why. Because I make you cry. I guess. <laughs> but anyway, the movie we watched... Can I segue? Sure. Okay. The movie we watched last night was Banshees of... Ed Sheeran. Not Ed Sheeran. In Sheeran? We can't say it the way it's they the do. the Banshees of Ed Sheeran. Because they have such a great Irish accent. And the we struggled a bit. Um, I Sweetie, don't, hold, don't pull punches. Well, it wasn't my favorite Oscar contender for this year. Let's just say that. Todd and I are trying to get through the Oscar movies as we do. And I was pretty excited after seeing the trailer for this movie because I kept saying, it's a relationship movie. Oh, I love relationship movies. It certainly was. <laughs> Jeez, it's a very well done movie. Yes, it's that beautiful. That leaves you feeling heavy 
and sad. Yeah, and when I say it's beautiful, I mean the scenery is beautiful and the where they are is beautiful. And in, in I don't know where it was filmed, but somewhere in Ireland, I mm-hmm. guess. And there are definitely relationships with animals, and I mean that in a healthy way. Um, and there are some things that I took away from it, but you know, it's not going to be like, uh, if you want to laugh, this is not the movie for you. Um, so let's pivot over to women talking. Yes. Much, much better. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yes. If you're, if you're going to flip a coin between one of these two movies to go see, I would say go watch women talking, especially if you're a man, but all people. Um, and a true story based on a true based story. Based on a true story. And it is a story of female empowerment. Mm-hmm. In imagination. Because that's the first thing that it says across the screen is this is a story of, of feminine imagination. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would you like to say about this? I think women talking is a good understanding of how... Okay, so it, I don't want to... I don't want to be too general sure. about this is what women do because that's not always true. Why don't we just qualify saying we're about to speak in speak some generalities. Some generalities. What I enjoyed about it, first of all, it's based on a true story. It's it's fairly uh, recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mennonite community where women are choosing in a moment. This is all in the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away. They're either going to leave their community, fight for their community, or stay. And the reason they're considering this is because there is a complete overwhelm of sexual assaults mm-hmm. in their community, their Mennonite community, and they are being gaslit by the men. The men are saying to them, no, it's not really happening, or it's the devil doing it, or whatever. And they have caught the men doing it, yeah. and they know they're not idiots. But the women, the the difficult part is they are not educated. They are not, the women are not allowed in this community to learn how to read or write. And so they have limited resources to figure out where they're going to go, what they're going to do. And why I like the language that it's it's imagination is they recognize that that they may not know what they're going to do, but that opportunity is abundant. And that and the other part is that I thought it was a great interpretation of how or a great visualization of how women can go from one feeling to another feeling to another feeling and always have compassion for each other. It's like a beautiful demonstration, I think, of how women interact with each other. They can be angry. They can say what they need to say and then in a moment turn and be compassionate Mm -hmm. and loving towards somebody. It's a very, I think, accurate um, portrayal of of what I see in women. And it's funny. We view the the movie through our lens. Correct. And you viewed it through... A female lens, correct. And I viewed it through the male lens. And in that movie, there's a man in most of the scenes, mm-hmm. and he's a beautiful man. He does what I would call embodies the mature masculine. Mm-hmm. He's a great listener. He's a validator. But most of the stories about the men is about how effed up this is that mm-hmm. this keeps happening. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of nice that there was a balance between this man who was present in most of the scenes, and then all the men that we don't see who are committing these horrific assaults. And teaching their boys the same that thing. they have the power to do the same thing. They may not be teaching them, here's how you assault people, but they're demonstrating that there is a power dynamic that they can take advantage of. And I would be lying if I didn't say that I did find myself getting a little defensive, like, we're not all like these 
people that are making these really bad decisions. Sweetie, not all men. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. And I know that you were trying to just be honest. Yeah. It's just the, and so, and I'm, I'm not making fun of your feelings, mm-hmm. but you know how that can be hurt. For sure. You know? Yeah. I'm just owning the fact that this was my experience watching this. And um, I think it's an important movie for people to see. And I think one of the things that I could, because Todd was telling me how he felt about this and I totally could understand. And I also feel like you didn't miss these parts, but I really zoned in on the parts where they were talking about how it's not the boy's fault. Mm -hmm. Like there was all of these like cuts to showing the boys in the community and how they are being taught something that is not theirs. We're being conditioned. You guys are being inundated. You're taught a bunch of lies. You were taught a bunch of lies. And then you were taught that the only way to be respected within a community is to live out the lie. And so I saw them trying to, the women and the storyteller who, Sarah Polly, who's a director. So another woman was the storyteller of all these women. And then a woman wrote the book that it was based on. So I saw women trying to demonstrate that they don't, they see where this comes from. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're not saying men are all bad. They're saying, look what men are doing to each other that then causes this ripple effect that harms us. And they, they didn't want their boys to be raised that way anymore. So I think it's a cultural shift. And and that's the thing is like, I always hear you, um, you know, you're executive director of men living. Like I understand. And I, and we also need to hold, which I know you do, when there's a mass shooting, you know who did it. Mm-hmm. It's a man. Yeah. When there is a sexual assault, it, it if, hap- women have done it before too, but it's typically... If you turn on the news, yes. it's mostly men yes. making bad decisions. Correct. And then there's layers and layers and layers to why that is mm-hmm. that are not just simple. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like this discussion of, you know, this is what women talking brings up in a relationship is... Can you, and I think women demonstrate this so beautiful in the movie, can you hold a space for all of these ideas? Yeah. So that's, that's be and what I And this is say. a nice segue to this podcast. This is just full of segues. A lot of segues. So there's a guy named Scott Galloway. Never heard of him before Dax and Monica interviewed him. Uh, he's a professor. He's an author. He's a podcaster. And he talks about masculinity in the current state of the college admissions process. I'm going to play about a minute or so of this and then we're going to talk about it okay here we go and so we're producing just a massive number of kind of unviable men or men that don't meet the criteria that women have for a mate and there's questions around well men need to level up what i do find disappointing is that when we talk about many of the challenges facing women and girls we talk about it in societal terms and the needs for intervention when we talk about problems with young men It's essentially a discussion around personal accountability and summed up by young men just need to get their shit together. And I think young men are really struggling. Your point around the size of the tribe, what strikes me is that when we're sort of connected to each other via algorithms and technology, it isolates us, makes us less social, and gives us this kind of reasonable facsimile or fake signal around what it means to be social, what it means to be in a relationship. And I worry that we're disconnecting from each other, and there's a lot of data. Church attendance is down, the number of kids joining the boy or the Girl Scouts, the number of people who speak to their neighbors is down like 30 or 40%. And I wonder if we're just becoming, especially a lot of young men, very isolated from one another. You know, the key to happiness and longevity, the number three is genetics, number two is lifestyle, number one is how social you are. And there's just a crisis in loneliness. One in seven men in America don't have a single friend. One in seven 
men in America don't have a single friend. I know. Like, just let that sit. Like, just no wonder the news is being dominated by male violence. Male violence. Mm-hmm. If you're, you know, we're we're these creatures that need to engage socially. To, and to connect. And to, to connect. Feel like yeah. we have a place of belonging. And I'm not going to play it, but the Dax goes on to say, like, you are better, you know, as far as the predictor of how long you're going to live, you are, it's better for you to be like, I don't want to say a chain smoker, but heavy smoker, heavy smoker and have a certain amount of friends than never smoke anything, no cigarettes and have no friends. And that's what that Harvard study said yes. too. The the Harvard study that is the longest study that's ever been done about longevity yeah. said that connection is the number one yeah. thing and that they gave that prediction as well that like you could be a heavy smoker but if you have a, a family and a social group it may not affect your health the same way. So this podcast, I mean, that was just one of a hundred things that this guy said that was kind of awesome. So I just want to invite people to listen to Dax's podcast. It's the trade-off of like the way the structure is set up. And, and, you know, you and I have talked about this at nauseum, but the man box and the expectations and what it means to be a man in our culture, then the side effect of that is you will not have connection. Mm -hmm. Because if you are going to push away or or um, devalue what is considered feminine, which is compassion, understanding, connection, talking about feelings, regulating. If those things are going to be feminized, and I mean that in a negative way, Mm -hmm. like where, oh, that's what girls do, well, then you're not going to have friends. Like you can't have both, you can't have it both ways. Like, and if we as parents, like what does this have to do with Zen parenting? If we embrace those ideals of what masculinity is, like don't cry, son, or buck up, or, you know, we don't talk about our feelings in this family, or, you know, or to like fo- focus on your son, you know, focus on things like the money they make or their sexual prowess, or you may not be doing that overtly, but there can be some underlying things mm-hmm. that you teach or demonstrate or say that with that hold up that narrative. And we as parents have to challenge that narrative. And, you know, Todd and I are raising three girls, but we've been talking about raising sons forever because obviously we, you know, we do have a nephew where we're surrounded by people with sons and we obviously have worked with children or I have my whole adult life. So this isn't the problem is or not the problem. The challenge is, is we we are doing this in support of other families, mm-hmm. you know, like what we've had to do in our family is talk about the things like like he was saying, the models are already there. Yeah. For women to, it doesn't mean everything has been shifted or that women have it easy, but we do have a structure. We do have a model we can follow to societally empower women. Mm -hmm. And with boys, I kind of feel like there's more of a challenge there. Well, and both Richard Reeves, who wrote a book called Of Boys and Men, and this new guy, my new friend named Scott Galloway, um, you know, they talk about in the 70s, out of 10 people that were at college, whatever, six and a half of them were men and three and a half of them were women. Mm-hmm. Now in 2023, that's completely Flipped. flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is Richard Reeves' solution is more about like getting more resources towards these men, which I can honor and understand. Um, but that also has some political ramifications on it. Sure. Like, you know, I also know that, you know, the odds of my daughter being sexually assaulted on a college campus is one in six. And most of the time those assaults are happening 
as a result of men. So it's it gets really controversial very quickly and the- about what the answers might be. And Scott went the other way. He's like, it's too politically charged. Interesting. Let's just feed as many resources as we can to the younger people. And he talks about college, the amount of people that get rejected, and we're experiencing totally. this right now, mm-hmm. from college is ridiculous. Like we need to make college more accessible. Um, and that's one of the things. But Richard Reeves was more about uh, how do we, you know, prop up these boys. And Scott, his approach is more like how do we prop up these young people. Mm-hmm. So it's just and an interesting prop one. up parents. Yes. Like I think that's kind of where you and I come. Well, that's from, what we're doing here. Is you know, like we have got to be a little more thoughtful about challenging narratives like we have to not just follow the status quo and that can feel really rebellious to people because they'll be like well i was raised this way and so i'm going to do that again Mm -hmm. is that what's best for your child or this culture right now or do we evolve and we see that maybe the way we were raised or the ideas we were raised with they may not have even been okay then but they're right now we have too much information to decide that our girls can have an emotional experience, but our boys can't. Mm-hmm. That's, it, it's insane. Well, and an important point is if you look at CEOs of Fortune 500 companies or Congress, like you'll still see that our world is dominated by Correct. white straight men. Correct. But if you look at the demographic of you know poor kids or people of color, our young men are getting so much further behind. So we, can we hold these two truths at the same time, Correct. one is, yes, most of the people in power are still white, straight men. And can we also know that from underprivileged communities, uh, and especially if you're a person of color, there is an inequality between men, between boys and girls and men and women. A purposeful inequality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to race and, but when it comes to that, I think this is the challenge is how do we, I mean, you just said it perfectly, like it's holding both. Like I have some, I was just saying to Todd before we started, you know, as someone who works with women and girls, I see so clearly how there's no point in working with women and girls unless we're also working with boys and men because so many of the challenges we're facing living in a patriarchy. And when I use that language, what I mean is a male-dominated, male-created culture, Regardless of who you are personally, that's the truth of what we live in. So then we experience that and it can be very, we can be very focused on, okay, then we just need to focus on women, but we have to shift the perception and the decision-making and the cultural assumptions of boys and men to make a difference in our lives. Well, and speaking of shifting, and I might get into a little bit of a reactivity, um, we have this micro community in Team Zen, it's called Raising Healthy Sons. And there's a few of us guys that are on there, but it's mostly dominated by women. Right. And this is the same thing as I've shared all the time on this podcast is this should be a micro community that is equally distributed between men and women. Mm -hmm. And instead it's me and Eric and Sean and a few other guys. All men living guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So this is considered this an invitation. If there's a guy that's listening to this podcast, because, you know, a lot of us guys, I got to work. Like, yeah, I get it. You have to work. We all have to work. Most of the women have to work too. Like. My invitation, if you're a man listening to this, is join Team Zen. I don't even care. It's like join it for a month. Yeah. It's going to cost you 25 bucks and then leave just to see what it's like. And it's really a conversation. It just drives me a little nuts because these really amazing women who are friends of mine because they've been on Team Zen forever are getting together to see how it is that we can best raise these young men. Mm -hmm. And of course, yes, the moms have to be involved. 
but it's not going to work if it's it's not going to work as well if it's just one gender trying to do this. Especially is, the opposite gender. Yes. Is Are there other ways that, you know, and I'm sure these dads in these families are wonderful men. Uh, I just hope that they're modeling this mature masculine energy. Um, I just feel like we're, we're, we're asking too much of the moms. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, and that, it, like, to your point, that's because our work, we've been doing this podcast for almost 13 years, and you and I have been doing this work for whatever, a few years even before that. So you've seen who does all this, you know, yeah. typically who's doing all this work with the kids, regardless of it, you know, regardless of gender, it tends to be the moms who are like, I want to make sure, I want to make sure, I want to give as much as I can, I want to learn as much as I can. And it's always been a challenge in our field of work to bring as many dads yeah. or other caregivers to the table. Yeah. And um, so it's just, it's an ongoing challenge. Mm -hmm. And, but what I do like about Team Zen is it's so similar to the podcast in that you just get to pick and choose what you want to do. Just yeah. be a part of the healthy men, you know, like what, what we're trying to offer, what I think a lot of us in this field are trying to offer are lots of different options. So the typical story about I'm too busy mm -hmm. doesn't need to be, it's, you know, maybe you can't come out on a Friday night and come to a, a two hour presentation. I get that. Mm -hmm. But here's another option yeah. that is more accessible that you can watch while you're eating lunch. And you can listen to it asynchronistically after. Absolutely. And it's not about teams. And no, it just, no. Anything, Whatever anything. work it is yes. to raise our my consciousness to be the best model of what it means to be a man in this world, just do that. Men Living, Dax's podcast that we were just talking about, yeah, so many podcasts that are out there that are focused on supporting men. Um, you know, Jackson Katz's work. Yes. Um, who's who's the other guy? Justin. Tony Porter. Tony Justin, Porter. Uh, I was going to say Justin Thoreau. Justin Baldoni. <laughs> Baldoni. Like there's all these people who have been doing this work for a long time. Yeah. And we are just trying to promote them. Yes. Um, so Excellent. anyway, I think that's good, Todd. Okay. Uh, so next, um, as I shared at the top of this podcast, um, I was having an email interaction with one of my clients who's reading Jason's book. Jason's book is called Getting to Zero. And I think the subtitle is something like How to Navigate Conflict in High-Stakes Relationships. And I was view reviewing the homework that this man submitted to me in preparation for our session on Wednesday. We are supported by the folks over at pinna.fm. Are you looking for a way to entertain your kids in the car? or maybe just a way to wind them down before bed, then you've got to try Pinna. Pinna is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. They offer some well-known stories and so many original podcasts and audiobooks that kids really enjoy. Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily car trips to and from school or for weekend getaways. Not only do parents love listening, but the kids will beg to turn on Pinna the second they step in the car. It's a routine they can look forward to, and it makes car rides more enjoyable for the whole family. Pinna is offering our listeners one year of Pinna for 50% off. Just head to pinna.fm slash promo to sign up and use code ZPR at checkout. That's Pinna, P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo. We are supported by the folks over at Stillwater and Coup Save the World. Here is the first book in an exciting new four-book series for younger readers featuring the beloved Zen panda Stillwater. Stillwater is the star of the Caldecott Honor Book and New York Times bestseller Zen Shorts and of the Peabody Award and Emmy Award winning Apple Plus TV series. 
Saving the world is a big job, and Ku is such a small panda. Luckily, Uncle Stillwater has the answer. Each time you do the right thing, you save the world a little bit. In a story brimming with love and light, John J. Muth shows us how we can all heal the world a little bit at a time. Just the right message for now and always. It's a Junior Library Guild Gold Standard Selection, and it's available February 7th wherever books are sold. And now on with the show. Reviewing the homework that this man submitted to me in preparation for our session on Wednesday, uh, he, you know, it's just like, oh yeah, this this part of Jason's book. So I went back and reread it this morning because I woke up early. I don't know if you noticed, I woke up at 5 a.m. this morning. I know, morning. what up? I don't know. I couldn't fall back asleep. So I did my meditation, which is good. If I don't meditate right when I wake up, it's not going to happen. Mm. That's just the way. As I, long as I do it before I shower. And there's something great about meditating in the morning before people are up. And when you're kind of tired. Yes. Because I feel like you can go into that weird in, in between the liminal in-between space. Stuff, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, and I was thinking back about um, a conflict that, uh, what do you want to call it? A rupture? It's fine. Um, a week ago, Thursday. And I don't know. And... And then in this chapter of Jason's book, it has this acronym called LUFU, which means, um, the, and it's an opportunity to connect with whoever you happen to be in relationship with in, in our intense conversations. So what does LUFU stand for? Listen until the other person feels understood. Listen until the other person feels understood. So L, listen, L-U-F-U, and then F is feels, yes, and then understood. understood. Okay. And I realized in looking back, rereading the framework as presented, I'm like, yep, I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. So I don't know, sweetie, do you think it'd be more beneficial to go over the framework first or talk about the situation? Because I think people will... I think simultaneously. Okay. So will you, do you want sure. me to start or do you want to start? No, I'll start because okay. I think I was the one who started the conversation. So first of all, you know, if, if those of you who listen know that... Um, uh, two or three weeks ago, um, my mom passed away. And then I also had uh, surgery because I, um, there was some concern about uh, my breast health and I, um, was kind of going through it (laughs) as they say, I, you know, and I'm, it's not that I'm all fine now, but it was a little more intense. Um, and, um, I, we, we got through that week where my mom passed and I had surgery and then Todd had to go away for the men living weekend, which I supported. If you guys listen to the show, you know that that we worked that out. And so he was gone and then he came home for a few days. And then on the following when that next Wednesday, so he's home Monday and Tuesday on that Wednesday, he had to go away again for JVI, which is his other job, which Vegas, baby, Vegas, Vegas. baby, which I fully, and it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to say I support it. So it's okay. What I'm saying is we, You're that good. was fine. You're good with it. This is not a problem. So he went away then. Um, but I will say that I was feeling a little like, um, it, it, not to his fault, but I was, I was struggling. So I was kind of like, You're at a kind deficit. of bare knuckling it. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, what do they say? White knuckling it? White bare knuckling it. Bare knuckling is boxing. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't boxing. I was white knuckling it a little bit, like till you got home, just because I needed things like, let's sit down and, you know, not even talking, Connect. just you. I just right. needed some support. Okay. I wasn't grounded. So I was being busy because that was helping me. And I noticed that Todd, he had been in Vegas and then he pulled up in the driveway. And this was on Thursday? Thursday. I don't know. Yep. And so I happened to be vacuuming JC's room because she was coming home for my mom's service. And so I was vacuuming the room. I saw him pull up. I was really excited. I was like, okay, good. Like he's home. Then I was vacuuming, vacuuming. And then I realized I vacuumed the whole room and the hallway and he wasn't in yet. So I looked outside and he was on his phone. 
In the garage. In the garage, pacing back and forth, which I was like, okay. And then I kind of did something else and then realized he was still out there. So I texted him. I said something funny, like, what you doing? You yeah. know, like, where, where are you? And I don't know if you texted back or not. I can't he remember. He said, I'm on the phone. I'll, I'm finishing up. Finishing something up. Something like that. So he finally came in. So I don't know how long you were out there, 20, 30 minutes or whatever. And he came in and I was kind of quiet and he said, how are you doing? And I decided just because I was already in a vulnerable place, I'm going to tell him the complete truth, which is I would, I said, I said, you know, I honestly, I'm doing okay, but, um, uh, my feelings are hurt because I saw you pull in and I was so excited and you were you were just on the phone and I was like, come in. And, and let me be clear when I say this, I know that that's like a fragile thing to share, meaning like most of the time I'm not noticing Todd in the driveway and saying, come in and be with me right away. That's just the place I was in. Yeah. Like I was kind of like, he hasn't been home. Okay, he's finally home. Okay. Now I, you know, he's here and, and, and I wanted to feel like he wanted to come see me. Mm -hmm. Like I kept one of the things I said to him, and, and again, this is a comparison thing. Like if I had been gone after Todd had been struggling or, or recovering from surgery, I would be like, okay, the first thing I'm going to do is get out of my car and go see him. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be excited to be like excited. I would just feel like that's what I need to do. So two questions. How do you think a one is very uh, specific. How long do you think I was in the garage talking? Uh, 30 minutes? About a half hour. Yeah. So, and let me finish this yeah. and then you do your whole thing. So my point is, is typically I would normally swallow something That's like what I was, that. That was my second yeah. question. Is how would you have done this four years ago? If, if, my, if I wasn't in the fragile state I was in, I would have talked myself out of even feeling that way. I would have been like, this is stupid. He's on the phone. He's taking a call. And I, what I kept saying to you that day is I don't want you to ever worry about you can't take a call mm -hmm. because I'm in the house. I don't want you to ever not feel free because mm -hmm. me like you know, pressing in on you like, oh, you better come see me. That's not really what I want. It was that moment, that day, that experience of where I was in the world. Yeah. I wanted you to not think about what was best for you, and I wanted you to think about me. And that's because, I'm, I'm almost that's done, fine. I am in that place of my parents are gone. I am kind of feeling, you know, I've got plenty. I've got my sister. I've got my aunt. I've got plenty of family and beautiful friends, but I feel that floaty thing where I want someone to care give me because mm -hmm. I'm a, I'm a caregiver of, of the other, of everyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that little snippet of you on the phone, not coming in, being gone three days, then another day, then not, it made me feel, it hurt my feelings. So this is where I'll stop and say, so instead of me pretending it didn't, I told you that right. and and I would have I so that was it I told you that so there's two parts I want to follow up with this before we get into this framework sure. the first one is my response after you said something like you know my feelings are my hurt. feelings are hurt mm -hmm. I think did I say anything no so my first question was before I said my oh, yeah. feelings were hurt who are you talking yeah. to because I said to you I was hoping it was your sister yeah because if it was your sister. I wouldn't have said a thing yeah. because that's your family. Yeah. Now you guys may be like, what What's is the difference? difference? I under, she's my family. Mm -hmm. And if she needed him, mm -hmm. then I am not thinking a thing of that because I understand that mm -hmm. that's the mindset I was in. But if he's talking to men, living people, mm -hmm. and we have a history of me choosing. Yes. And you are just trying to make sure you get this last call in when you've been gone for like 48 hours. Mm -hmm. 
then that's that hits me differently. Yes. And so people listening will probably say, what's the difference? Like people who are very concrete. You've got to understand our history. Yeah, this is emotional for me. Yeah. And so I said, I was, I said, were you talking to your sister? Because then it would have just gone away. And you said, no, I was talking to blah, blah, blah. And there's a part of me that wanted to lie to you and say <laughs> yes, but I just don't lie. Knew. I don't lie to you. No, you don't. Right. And you told the truth and you said, I just needed. And I said, oh, I said, I was hoping you'd say it was your sister. <laughs> and I said, I, I am... I said, my feelings are hurt because I was hoping you would get here and want to see how I am doing. Yeah. I was hoping you would care for me. And then you go, huh. Yeah, that was it. Huh. It was something <laughs> like that. So I gave you a hug mm-hmm. and then kind of moved on. So that's that's the essence. That's the yeah. encapsulation is my reaction. But before I get into my reaction, my my reaction, my absence of responding, sprinkle on top of that later that night, which is our family time, we watch movies like these ones that we talked to you about earlier in the show. I had a men living facilitator meeting that night. And which made which piled it on. And you were trying to structure the night to benefit your time frame. Mm-hmm. So like he's been gone and we're like, we'd like to eat at this time. And you're like, that doesn't work for me because I have a men living call tonight. Why don't we eat at this time and then we'll watch the show at eight thirty right. and then we'll and you were trying to make it all about your time mm-hmm. again. And I'm like, you've been gone and now you're going to be gone again yeah. tonight when, you know, like, so I had kind of let go of the, he's on the phone in the garage thing. Yeah. And then this happened. Yeah. It just, it was like, um, you were just moving on. It was salt with life. In the wound. It was. Yeah. Okay. So first I just need to own that, you know, as I'm looking at these eight steps that Jason has about how to connect with somebody, uh, I did none of them because my response was I, i'm excited to hear what the steps are oh really I, I, yeah well okay. like what what are you reading I'm, I'm gonna read through them real quick okay all eight and then we'll break them down okay well the first one before the first step is presence okay so i probably wasn't even present in the moment i probably knew that you may be a little pissed and i was already starting from this place of did i just do something wrong i was just not in this connecting energy mm-hmm. so but step one is curiosity Okay. Mm -hmm. And that just means be curious about everything the other person is saying, how they are saying it, what they're not saying, what the storyline is, and so on. And stay in there and track as much as you can. Most of us listen by waiting for our turn to defend, rationalize, and justify. Waiting if you're waiting your turn to talk, you've already lost curiosity. Mm -hmm. So I will just say in that moment, there was no curiosity. And there's probably like a a righteousness in me, like don't tell me what to do type stuff. Well, and this is the thing is, uh, you know, Todd, you and I were both being like, and I'm putting this in air quotes, brave in the way we were reacting because like um, I was telling you something that I knew felt fragile, that sounded fragile because I usually don't, I usually am just like, move on, move Mm -hmm. on, move on. But I was telling you something the way I really felt and then I can feel in you when you know you use the word righteous but i can feel when you go solid what's i can only see it in um, my mind numb or you um, don't go numb you go you close yeah, you're close like up. close up like for example this just happened on the phone the other day i was in galena by myself and i called you and i said will you send another text it was kind of a long story but i wanted you to send another text saying that the rabbit was okay oh, to yeah. everybody oh, yeah. and i could feel you close yeah. and you're like i'm not going to do that yeah and I knew you were thinking I was telling you what to do. Yeah. But my mindset is not about I want to direct you. Right. It's why would you leave someone hanging yeah. worried 
Yeah. When your intention was to leave something kind. Yeah. And I said, let the girls know the rabbit, because the rabbit was sleeping and Todd sent a picture. I was videotaping our rabbit. Yeah. And it was, he, she was kind of like on her side in a way that she rarely is. So Rabbits she was, flop. Yeah. So she was like really like Out. in a deep rem. Mm-hmm. And you texted saying. Send another picture of her awake so everybody knows she's okay. Because I will tell you, there, and you may not know this, mm-hmm. Cameron worries about the rabbit because the rabbit's nine. And sometimes she's like, is Smokey okay? She's mm-hmm. doing a weird thing with her neck. Is she okay? Mm-hmm. She's just worried about her. So you sending that, I know it's not about me. Yeah. I know the girls will be like, Ugh, mm-hmm. is this like a good or bad thing? And I said, will you send a follow-up? Yeah. And you said, no, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to try to practice in real time Jason's framework. So okay. what I just heard you say uh-huh. is that you wanted me to send the text uh-huh. so that Cameron, who sometimes... Uh, gets a little rattled about the she age. she overworries mm-hmm. a little bit about the rabbit and this might be um, w- something to set her mind at ease. Yes, yes. And my question to you is, why wouldn't you? Yeah. You get very like no. Yeah. And and then I understand from your perspective, it's kind of like me telling you not to chew your fingers. Yeah. You're not my mom. Right. Don't tell me how to be. Right. And I understand that because I don't want someone telling me how to be. Right. At the same time. Then you're stuck in you. Right. And you're not thinking about other people. Right. And I go up to my brain, and this is probably not a conscious response, but I'll say it anyways. The rabbit's breathing. Like you could see her inhale and exhale. So why would I need to confirm something that is obvious in the video? Like, of course. Because I took care of a sick rabbit for about seven hours that was breathing. Yeah. And that rabbit did not survive. So that helps me. Okay. That helps me. Okay. So that makes sense. So that sense. curiosity is helpful. Yes. And we got off target of the other conversation, but my point of talking about that is I know when we're done talking. Yes. I know when you're solid yeah. and you're like, nope, I think I'm not going to do that. closed is a better word. You're closed. Yeah. You're like, and so I'll be like, and if you remember, because we were on the phone, we were FaceTiming, I go, okay, bye. Well, I'll call you later because well, I knew. And one thing I'm just noticing now is you, I was not at home when our old rabbit was dying uh-huh. and breathing. Uh-huh. So like that is all stuff that if I would have been a little more curious, mm-hmm around it instead of me close off saying you're insane yeah the rabbit's breathing it's fine it's just sleeping but i didn't have that information and if i would have asked more been more curious around it then it would have made more sense to me exactly i'm sorry the reason i'm laughing is because i keep hearing bill simmons saying you think you're better than me (laughs) he always does that because he's from boston but i feel like that's where you go in your head like you think you're better than me you think you have a better idea of what we should do and i and i this okay so let me put let me stop Go back to the conversation we were having before. So then curiosity was the first thing. What, what Reflective else? listening, reflective, which is what which, I just what did just back practiced. with you with the rabbit. Great. Number three. And then, so the reflective listening, just a few prompts that uh, Jason has in the book. It sounds like, or what I hear you saying is, and you're just trying to give the words back to the person. Correct. And I also, there's a great part in the book where he's like, this can sometimes be annoying to your partner. Right. I find it annoying on Team's End sometimes when you do it. Right. Because I feel like someone just said that and you're just repeating exactly what they said. And for me, when I'm talking, I actually like it if it's something serious. Yeah. I like it when somebody gives me my words back to me. So I know that they heard me because most of the time, most human beings are not really good at listening. Correct. Including me. And the way that I can be sure if you're, and you're a real good listener, sweetie, I'll just say that right now. You're not perfect. You have your days where you probably drop in this place of reactivity, but 
when I'm talking, I'm pretty sure that you're you're tuned in. I am sometimes not tuned in. Like I'll be making eye contact, doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing, and I'll be in Going last night's hockey game. game yeah, right? Oh my God, that's so weird. That's the part of from uh, Inside Out yeah, that okay. I like to play so yeah. much. So reflective listening for me, when I get, and I do this in Men Living a lot, reflective listening is a foundational thing of what we do at Men Living. Mm-hmm. We're not giving advice. We're just doing some reflective listening. And you just say, it sounds like what you said about Cameron is that she gets really uh, scared sometimes mm-hmm. because she worries that the rabbit is not doing well or whatever. And then you said to me in that moment, you go, well, then she can come down and look and see she's fine. Right. And I just feel like that's so, it's so like, why? Like, why do you need to win this argument versus sending a text saying, here she is awake because you know it'll affect her. Like, why do we F with people like that? And I feel like that's like a, a power thing. Like, you want to see it? You come down well, here. Well, I'm just viewing the world through my lens. And if I'm scared that a rabbit might be sick, then I'll go look at the rabbit. Right. I'm not saying I'm right, but that's on planet Todd. Got it. Okay. All right. Got it. Next so one. the next one is simple. Same page questions. So in other words, I reflect back to you and I say, is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah. And you might be like, yeah, you landed it perfectly. Or actually, Here's a piece you, you missed. missed the yeah. piece. So that's the next one. And then... This is really important for me, not necessarily in this conversation, but active listening. And the way Jason teaches, active listening is the ability to interrupt. And this is really important when you are with somebody who's Mm long-winded. Because if you're talking for more than two minutes... You'll miss it. I, I can't track you for two minutes. Right. So... What I try to do now, as best I can, is interrupt and say, hey, listen, I just want to make sure I'm tracking you, and then do some reflective listening back. Because if somebody's going on for five minutes, totally. you're not... I was at Portillo's last night picking up the food, and there was this couple, and they were in a pretty heated exchange. They weren't yelling at each other, but they're talking. And she was just... She was talking yeah. for like six minutes. Yeah, There's no way that that guy is tracking her mm-hmm. after that much time. It's interesting. I can relate to this because I do talk for long periods of time, so that is more me. But the way I'm not like that is on this show when you play clips. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, cut there. Yeah, right. Because people, it's too much for yeah, someone right. to take in. Right. So when you play a 90-minute clip versus let's stop there. Right, a 90-second so clip. Right. I do understand that need for people to process smaller chunks of information. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next is empathy. Like, oh, it seems like you're really upset mm-hmm. right now because I was on the phone in the garage. I didn't say anything close to that. I didn't even acknowledge what you said, really. Mm-hmm. Um, empathy, validating the experience. And this is important. Validate, validating your experience in this situation, it doesn't mean that your experience is, is right. Correct, correct. It's just mm-hmm. your experience. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it has not, and you could just say it with three words. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I can understand why you'd be upset that I'm in the garage. You being you with your last couple of weeks, with your experience and right. our history, that makes sense. Right. It doesn't make sense to you. You right. wouldn't have that reaction. Right. What's the difference if I show up now or in 30 minutes Correct. from now? Mm-hmm. It's There's no difference. Mm-hmm. But there is in how, you, how I came home. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I do get it. Um, number seven is to own your part. So it, and he says this at any time in the conversation is to own your part, but it's not a time for you to start telling stories and justify and defend. It's like, oh yeah, you know what? I was in the garage mm-hmm. and I can understand why that would be upsetting. And I was trying to like get off with the guy and he just wouldn't get off. And I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Like that's owning my part. Mm-hmm. And then lastly is, is there anything else? Mm-hmm. Is there anything else that I missed? 
Do you feel complete? And then at that point, if you say yes, then I can go in and tell you my story. Mm -hmm. But not until all those things. And this is very like regimented and structured and unfriendly. Yeah, you could many. just remember two of these yes. and it would be helpful. It's just an example of, and and the one thing I will add to this that is not in this chapter is self-compassion. Because what I do when this happens is I just beat myself up severely. And then I have to get you back. So then Hopefully I, not as much. No, and I'm not talking about now. Okay. I'm talking about like people. Yeah. But you're giving yourself over as an example. Right. Then the person who's hurting has to make sure the other person is okay. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like when you're in grief and someone's like, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know what to say to you. And then we, as the grieving person, has to make the other person feel good. It's similar if I'm sharing feelings and then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm such a jerk or, oh, I dropped the ball again. Then we're like, no, 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 you're okay. And then the whole point gets missed. So I'm not talking about you in this situation. I'm talking about the self-compassion is essential because if you don't, apply it, Mm -hmm. you're burdening the other person even more. And for me, self-compassion, I'm in the middle of the self-compassion workbook by Kristen Neff, and it's really helpful helpful because, and I shared this in a previous podcast, I do three things now with myself. One is I rub my chest. That's Mm -hmm. where whenever I'm like, wow, I'm being really hard on myself, I will physically take my hand and rub it against my chest Mm -hmm. in a circular motion. It just feels good. And it's, wow, I'm scared right now. And I know everybody feels scared every now and again. And just to go easy, like that is my what I do now, and that doesn't always work perfectly, but I think for me in particular, I tend to really hold myself up to a much higher regard than I hold up most other people. And it's something I'm trying to cultivate and do better at is just chilling out Mm -hmm. and just love myself even though I make some mistakes. Mm -hmm. So... Well, and then I will say that I think the thing we were able to talk through, because I obviously had to bring this up. Um, I'm not sure when. I think it was the next morning. Friday morning, we had a long walk. Yeah. And I had to bring it up because I think the feeling I was having, I was already pretty depleted with everything that was going on with me personally. And I, (laughs) and this was the and I'm not trying to put myself down when I say this, but like the play me a violin kind of thing. Mm where I was like, in this state I'm in, where my mom just died, and I just had a pretty significant surgery, if you can't care more about me than yourself in this situation, I think I even said this sentence, then, then I've then I'm done with with me ever coming first. Yeah. Because what else can be a problem than losing my last parent, and possibly having my mortality in question, and that you would feel like maybe I should pay more attention to Kathy this week. And I just, my sadness was the way that I care for you and think about your needs is not reciprocated. And the truth is, and this is what I know for sure, when I'm in a depleted state, that's how I see it, is that Todd and I show love differently. This is love language stuff. This is Enneagram stuff. This is, and I don't care about which modality you you use. What I'm saying is Todd is loving me. But the way I wanted love then, because a lot, like I think I said this on the last show, but a lot of times Todd will be like, well, I thought through this and what would work for me? And I think I'm going to do this. And I'm like, quit thinking about what works for you and make me in this one situation, not always, the most important thing, Mm. because you're always trying to make sure you're good first. And what I'm trying to say to him is the majority of my life is, is everybody else okay first? Now, I know that's not always healthy and there needs to be boundaries. 
but because I am in that mode, mode most of the time, I wish Todd was in that mode 5% of the time. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying to him is, could you come home after being gone for days and days and be like, my priority now is not my work or a men living guy, but I need to go see my wife who is recovering from surgery. Mm. I wanted to see it. I wanted to feel it. And the actions that you took, even though that they were not meant to harm and really in the big picture are no big deal. Right. You just took a call. Yeah. It felt as if you were yet again... You, like, you know, like run up the stairs and be like, how are you doing? I've yeah. been gone. And um, that's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And and that curiosity of me saying I my feelings are hurt. And if you were to say, tell me why, and I was to say all this, I think you would have totally, and I did the next day, but I think you would have understood sure. and been like, oh yeah, you're right. Like, and I don't want flowers and crap like that. I don't need things. I wanted a moment of right now, you know, I think people who, and Todd, you've lost your mom, you know this, but people who have lost their parents, you kind of have that moment of like nobody else, I'm never going to be, how do I say this, you know, the person that someone's thinking about all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, my parents were like, when they thought about their lives, it was about my sister and I. Yeah. And that... It's not gone because they they instilled that in me. But sometimes you're like, wow, there's nobody who's like thinking about me all the time well, anymore. This might take us into a completely different tangent. And I want to close up the show because sure, I want sure. to go eat with yeah, you. Yeah, we have a date. Um, and this is probably an excuse. Okay. But let me just say it out loud anyways. The minute our daughter showed up, your experience and my experience were very different. Correct. I went to work the next day mm -hmm. and you gave your body, your soul, your time, every energy was literally being delivered from your boob, from your breast to this kid, right? Yeah, I guess like, that's one way to think about it. And that's like one small piece on everything that mm -hmm. you did. Mm -hmm. And I know, I also know it's your nature. Like even before you were a mom, you were giving in this way. Mm -hmm. And the way I when our kids were born and I'm not proud of the way I, and I will give myself some love. Right. But I'm like, all right, my job is to keep working. Yeah. To bring in money. Keep mm -hmm. bringing in money mm -hmm. because of the lies that I learned when growing up, but right. what it means to yeah. be a man. Work, work, work. Um, it's just a muscle that I have not flexed as much as Correct. you. Right. And I want to, I want to keep working this muscle mm -hmm. as best I can. And we're two different people. We, right. you know, our love languages are different and I need to step outside of my comfort zone because I know yours is words and mine's acts of service. Like that's all true. And how do I show up differently? Yeah, exactly. And and that's the thing is I think what's most important for our conversation personally and for everybody is I don't need you to be me yeah. and I don't need you to always show up that way. I think that there are just moments in time where I wish because of how fragile I was in that moment, that your thoughts may have been about me yeah. instead of you. Sure. And that is, and so your muscle, like you said, is more work and, and dedication and loyalty to the men and, and bringing in money. And I get that. It's just every once in a while, I want you to go, no, you. Mm -hmm. And and you not, I feel good about this, so now you. Yeah. But like, even if it is hard, even yeah. if you do have to disappoint right. a, man, a man that you're like, but I would do that yeah. because you, so it's occasional. It's like 
momentary. And the reason why everybody listening, this is important is because the fact that it's not going to be all the time and that it is situational based on my emotional well-being, because like, for example, last night, if Todd was out and he came home and he was on the phone in the driveway, I wouldn't have cared because I felt full and fine and not fragile and I'm healing. And, you know, it's not all the time. But the, we're not always going to know when each other needs it. We don't have signs on our forehead. We don't. And so can we manage the discomfort of the conversation and the conflict so we can be honest about what we needed in the moment and then repair it? Yeah. Not repair it like, okay, now you expect me to get off the phone all the time? No. In this moment, I was hoping for yeah. this. Oh, I'm sorry you didn't get that. I didn't know. I know you didn't. And here's why. I feel fragile. Oh, I get that. That makes sense. Yeah, I didn't see it. Okay. That's why when people say a relationship shouldn't have conflict, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Because <laughs> How can you read each other? If there's anything that I'm learning about myself and our relationship, I'm never, and I know not everybody can say this, I'm never worried that this isn't going to... Get figured out. Get figured out. Mm -hmm. And I know some couples aren't in that place, Mm -hmm. but you and I are. And it does, without exception, bring me closer to you. Mm -hmm. So not that I want to screw up and make these ruptures in our relationship, or do I want you to screw up and make these ruptures in the relationship? Of course not. No. But when they happen, if you can navigate it through this type of consciousness it strengthens. Mm -hmm. It's like a broken bone. Mm -hmm. And when it comes back together, it's a stronger, um, it's just stronger. And please apply this scenario that Todd and I just walked you through with your children. It it shouldn't be any different with them. When they say, I was kind of hoping on my birthday, you would like surprise me in the morning with coffee and you didn't, you just acted like it was another day to say to them, oh my gosh, I totally dropped the ball on that. I didn't know you wanted that from me. I, and, and, and I'm going to remember that. And maybe we could do something tonight instead. And you're not like, oh, my kid needs stuff from me all the time. Or, oh, they didn't tell me they want eat. Like, can we just use those things that Todd was just talking about and that we were like walking through with you with our children, with our parents, with our friends? Remember, it doesn't mean that you're 100% in agreement or on board or that you would do the same thing. It's that you're showing up in that moment with what that person is telling you. And the more we can own it or be curious about it, the more that the air comes out of that balloon, it dissipates. The thing that's the most challenging for me whenever I think of this framework is it's really, really hard. It's really hard to do. It's energy. It's energy and it it requires my my feeling part of myself. Vulnerability. It requires my thinking part of mm-hmm. myself. Like, all right, what, is, what do I have to do here? Mm-hmm. It requires vulnerability. It requires action. It requires authenticity. And um, so just, just even if I can do, like, I don't think I did any of these eight steps. Maybe next time this happens, I do two of them. I kind of feel like the most important one is the curiosity. Yeah. Because I'm thinking about like, in that, in our scenario, if you would have come upstairs, because I said right away, I'm just feeling my feelings are hurt because you're like home, but you're not home. And I thought you would, you know, want to come see me. And you said, wait a second, back up. Tell me about that. Like, yeah. wh- what do you mean? Like, what did I miss? And then I could explain everything. I probably would have gone to humor. Mm-hmm. Like, if you think about me, yeah. think about when I start to explain the way I feel. I'll be honest and then I'll be like, and then I wanted you to make me your most important and to give me a hug. And you probably could have said, 
and you are, and I'm, and I'm sorry that, and it would have been over. You wouldn't have even had to go through the rest of the steps. See what I mean? I do. And, or even better, I'd be like, oh, before even me asking you to share your experience, like, oh, I've been gone for two days. Your mom just died last Monday. I just got back from Vegas. Uh-huh. And the first thing you see is me on the phone <laughs> in the garage. Like I can, under, like, I didn't say any of that. So, or you bringing humor, you do a good job of like, did I do the Todd men living thing again? Yeah. And me being like, yes, like, yes. and, and then it's dissipated because you've owned, not owned, you're a bad guy, but owned that piece of our relationship yes. of like, oh, you're seeing it through this lens yeah. again. And I'm like, yeah. And then it's like, th- what do we want? Okay. We're closing with this. What do we all want in life? No matter what relationship we want to be seen. We want to be, I'm, I'm missing one. We want to be seen, heard and understood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are the three. We want to be seen for what we need. We want to be heard for what we need. And then we want to be understood for what we need. And if someone can do that, they could do it in one step, one sentence, or maybe seven or eight steps. Yeah, I think as um, this muscle in me continues to develop, like it's presence, be curious, reflective listening, same page questions. Is that right? Active listening, empathy, validating, own your part and say, is there anything else? I think as this muscle gets stronger in me, I could do it in like one out breath. Yeah. It doesn't have to be this disjointed thing. So you could name that song in two notes. Do you remember that show? Yeah. Name that tune. Reminds me of my grandma, mm-hmm. Inga. She used to love that show. Exactly. And I don't know how people do it. Although we did have a date on Saturday. Mm-hmm. and um, But then later we stumbled across where they'll play one second of a song. Mm-hmm. And they'll repeat the same part twice. And you, we're going to play some right now, sweetie. You are outstanding at this. One second. Are you going to do the same one? I have no idea. Let me see if I can find it. Okay. So guess the 2,000 songs. How about 60s through 90s? Let's see how this works. I'm going to see how we do here. And I will cut most of the silence out. Okay. That's the answer right there. I'm going to fast forward. Okay. Kids in America, Kim Wilde. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. (laughs) I'm going to call all these silences out, but we're going to play this for four songs and see how you do. Correct. Uh huh. Next song. Killer Queen by oh Queen. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know for sure, but that they do snap at the beginning of their song, but I'm not sure. That I, I, if you're right, that's amazing. She's a killer. Oh queen. Layla. I could have gotten that one. That's the most famous riff. Well, not anymore, but it used to be when we were kids, the most famous riff. What's the most famous now? I don't know, but there's been so much music since the 80s that it's hard for me to believe. So you're three for three. Oh, 
freak out. By whom? Uh, Le Chic or Chic or something like that. C-H-I-C. I don't, I don't really remember. Le Chic. Something. I'll give you credit. Well, who was it? It says Chic La Freak. Well, I Is said Le right? Chic, I yeah. I mean, I probably said it wrong, but I think I knew who it was. I don't know that one. Oh, finally. Yeah, I don't know that one. That'll be the last one. Or should we do one more? We got to have you end on a win. Oh, okay. Let's see which one this one is. That was ELO, Mr. Blue oh, Sky. That's funny. I do know ELO, but I do not know that song. Remember the other night when we were watching Xanadu? Yeah. And I said ELO did the whole did the whole Xanadu soundtrack. That sounds like a Beatles song. Dun dun dun. <laughs> um That's a Beatles song. Uh mm. Nirvana. Save the service. I wouldn't have gotten that. Or I don't serve know the that service. All right, we'll quit after you get one right. Okay. Because you're over the last two. Uh, I'm just a girl, by no doubt. Good job, sweetie. Thanks. Congratulations. I will put Kathy Adams up <laughs> against anybody in this game. Thanks, honey. But I'm glad we had a few in there that I don't know because that's the thing. That's the fun is you can't be scared to get something wrong. You just got to jump in, man. That's right. Because I didn't know those two songs. That's and that's right. okay. What were they again? Uh, Nirvana, uh, Nirvana. And something else. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, everybody. Long show. Yeah. Hour and seven minutes. All right. Love you all. Keep trucking, everybody. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.